Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn, and joining me is Craig Devine. Hello. And Ross Davidson. Hello. Um, No opening question this week, because we've really got a lot to talk about. Three matches, as well as some new signings. We'll go on to the new signings first. The signings of Daniel Finlayson and Brandon Mason. Um, I I didn't quite get the the kind of uproar that was on Twitter. Um... People saying that we shouldn't really be signing defenders when we need midfielders and strikers. Um, but I think we've seen over the past couple of weeks, um, <laughs> the past couple of weeks that we've been needing some defensive cover to cover injuries and suspensions and whatnot. So I'll go to Craig. What do you think of these signings? Uh, I, <laughs> I can't even profess to know too much about Brandon Mason other than I was one of the many people questioning why we'd sign somebody that the last piece of news about him was that he was out for eight weeks but I'll, uh, I'll uh, confess to having jumped the gun a wee bit on that one because it sounds as if he's um, more or less fit and that was a, a false story but well, it's definitely a position we needed covering and um, I think he, he, had a, he had a spell at Dundee United not a wee while back but I don't know if he really played much there at all oh, I could tell you, I don't remember um, and the one um, we signed Finlayson, and it, it seems like, uh, what Jim says, that's taking a bridge the gap between the academy and the first team because we don't really have any any defensive cover coming through at all, mm. which begs the question what's happening to um, well, the academy and some of the players that we did think were coming through. I thought we had... I think there was mainly striking options, I think. Um, I, uh, you've got to feel if you are currently a... A young defender in the St. Martin's Academy, and you hear, "Yeah, we've not really got cover, so we've just signed this guy." And you're like, That's not Wait, "What?" <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm further away from the team than I should be. Um, uh, there's somebody sitting there going, "Hold on a minute." <laughs> and uh, the the Brandon Mason signing, um, I'm I'm quite encouraged by it. It seems like quite a lot of the Coventry fans, um, it was Coventry, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, quite liked him, and they were a bit 
angry that he was loaned out to a club like ourselves. <laughs> um, obviously, that's just English mentality again, but I guess you can you see that as kind of hopeful. And with the Daniel Finlayson one, I think it's quite funny that I didn't realise that Rangers have a kind of affiliation with a club in America, which is just happens to coincidentally, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, be called Orange <laughs> County. Um, <laughs> fair play. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was, it was positions that we we kind of needed some cover in. So I'm quite happy with what's happened so far. Obviously, we'd like to see maybe another midfielder or a, a striker come in, but the free agent market's still available, and Goodwin's already said that that's what he's planning to look at over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think the the boy for Coventry is uh, coming f- uh, from a good league, uh, good standard. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, played in a reasonably successful Coventry side last year. So, so as if we're picking a guy from that's out of favour or he, he's not played much or whatever, I think he's coming. Uh, once he's fit, I think he's coming into slot straight into the the left back role. I think he'll be a starter, mm-hmm. and I think he'll he'll move Tate to right back. I think that's maybe the view of uh, Goodwin, why we're signing another left back. That plus we need cover anyway, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's the view. And just going with what you said as well, the, the Coventry fans seem to be pissed off that he's been loaned out to a club like ours, as you say, which is always a good sign when the fans um, are pissed off. We've signed loads of guys in the past where fans are quite happy to see yeah. a guy disappear this month. So um, that's a positive. Uh, the lad from Rangers... Seems to be quite highly rated. He's a Northern Irish under nineteen mm. captain, I think. Um, I've seen a few comments about why we're signing him and we'll just let Jack Baird go. People need to go over Jack Baird, right? Jack Baird's gone. He's not the player that we all hoped he would be when he came through the youth academy. He's what, like twenty four now. He's not young, and yeah. he was an absolute bomb scale. Like he's gone now. Move him on. He's exactly. the reason why he's um, in the championship. We let go of Jack Baird, and we've signed this guy from Rangers. We shouldn't be developing Rangers. Celtics youth products for them. We should do our own, but we've got the option to looking back there. over the years. We've we've picked up loads of guys from Celtic Rangers, and uh, they've been more than successful with St. Mum. That's the level we're at. <clears throat> uh, we've got an option to sign the guy. So if he's as highly st- uh, rated, then he develops as well as they think. Then we could have a decent centre half in our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. have any problem with taking loanees from Celtic Rangers. They're obviously coming for a good standard good training background you know it doesn't bother me that so yeah I've I've not got an issue with it either because in the past we've kind of filled out the entire team with loan signings or you know free agents or one year contracts but it seems as if we've built a a team that lasts a couple of years and we're just supplementing that with one or two extra signings so I don't see the problem no Uh, so what you just said there Ross about um, him slotting straight into left back and putting Tate right back does that mean you would likely to see Marcus Fraser drop or are we putting him in the centre or I know. I think, unfo- uh, me personally, I wouldn't do it. Mm. I like Fraser. I think he's performed pretty well, pretty standard. But I just think that um, Tate's played better in mm. a unnatural position. I think that um, they're looking to put Mason. It's Ma- uh, Brandon Mason, isn't Brandon it? Brandon Mason, yeah. And uh, at left back, and uh, Tate, he's more natural right back, and see how that performs. I think it'd be harsh on um, Fraser dropping out, but. By all accounts, this uh, Mason's a really good left back, and Tate's obviously a really good full back. So it'd be good to see him play in his natural position. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, so it would be a harsh one on Fraser, but then it just it, it gives us depth. It gives us uh, selection issues, where it's probably good to have if anybody's injured or gets suspended or whatever. But 
I think over time that would be a starting fullbacks for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And while two came in the door, uh, one has left, and it is one that I think we were all aware that was going to happen. I'm pretty sure we did say on this uh, the podcast last week that um, all this talk about Kyle McGinnis staying was just inevitable 48 hours later that we couldn't hold on to him and he, he wanted to leave and that's more or less exactly what happened um, not the best of statements from the club um, not quite sure what happened there but um, you can't really blame McGinnis for wanting to leave um, to go play for Hibs um, they, they, are, they are a bigger club than us they're going to be pushing more to the top there's chances of Europe um, while he doesn't need to struggle in a side that's battling right at the end of the season yeah uh, I think in the last podcast we more or less predicted it uh, saying that the statement that we put out was almost kind of pre-warning the fans that uh, listen Kyle's, Kyle's away um, I think they hung good went out to dry a wee bit but allowing him going to the press and saying we don't need to sell him he will not be sold mm-hmm. he's our club captain all that kind of usual stuff and then we sell him a day or two later I think Goodwin had every right to be pissed off. It sounded as if he was pissed off, to be honest. Yeah. When he was interviewed after that, um, I don't blame Kyle for going at all, for the reasons you said. There are there are levels in Scotland where a rung below Hibs and then the old firm are a rung above them. So I've got no issue with Kyle staying, uh, Kyle going. The only thing that kind of pissed me off a wee bit um, is when he was given the captaincy. There's loads of quotes about how it's a dream to be the St Martin captain and St Martin's uh, through and through and his family and things like that. And I thought, part of me maybe would have thought, listen, why do you not stay and actually captain the club that means so much to you? Yeah, or, uh, and leave for free at the end of the season. Aye, or even just leave in January. I mean, you will get a move. It's not as if uh, he had to jump at the Hibs move because he wouldn't get another one again. I think if he was nearing fitness in the state that St Martin are in at the moment, they gave everybody the boost that was needed to mm-hmm. see Kyle McGuinness captain in St Martin and back in the first 11. So a wee bit, I mean, was a bit pissed off at that, but <clears throat> not overly. I mean, I can't grudge the guy the move. A uh, five-year deal with his injury issues. I mean, that's unbelievable yeah. business yeah. For, for him. But I think the club, um, with that statement, is just totally shameful. It really kind of... It read like a pissed off teenager writing that, you know. I mean, show the boy a bit of respect. He's been at the club for nearly two decades, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, should have shown him a bit more respect. Right, and, and he's your club captain. I mean, that was disgraceful. That statement. It was very amateurish. I mean, regardless of what has went on behind the scenes, which we'll probably never know the full story. I know there's two sides to everything, but it was really kind of amateur spat the dummy. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make me wonder if I was a Cammy McPherson or Ethan or somebody that if you come in a couple of years' time to look to move on, is that the way the club's going to treat you as well? Yeah, they're not and very good at showing. Maybe set the alarm bells ringing a wee bit, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, showing a bit of loyalty towards the players as well. Yeah. You, If you want loyalty from them, you've got to show a bit of loyalty yourself. And if that's happened to a player who has came through the Youth Academy and these statements have been made, you're kind of going... Well, hmm, do the club really care that much? Um, that's the thing. We've seen it in the past as well with, um, albeit we didn't make a statement about it, but like Jason Naismith, when he got his really bad injury and the club refused to pay for his treatment and that's why he wanted out of the club and why he's probably, he probably would never come back to play for us. It's, it's You're burning bridges with young players. 
like even Kyle said in his own statement, he says, you know, we might meet again playing, um, you know, like later on in his career, I might come back and play for St. Murray. He's left that out there, um, which is obviously him taking the high road in this uh, department. But like, could you blame him if mm. a club like when he's coming towards the end of his career and St. Murray come in for him or a club round about, round about has come in for him, would you blame him if he went, actually, I'll go to this club because I remember what he said about me? That's the thing. Not at all. Not at all. We champion. We seem to champion our uh, youth academy on a constant basis, and and know like how our gold standard and the guys we've produced and all that kind of nonsense. And then we release a statement about one of our academy graduates like that. It's uh, that's pretty poor. And if I was him, I would second guess going back to Simon mm-hmm. if the same people were in charge and they treated me so badly. I, th- I think the only kind of luck we have with that is he's got a, his family's got a big relationship with St Mourne. Uh, obviously, we saw how annoyed they were on Twitter as well, but they, they would never turn their back on their club because they know it's not the club, it's more an, indiv- an individual or whoever came up with this statement within the club and they might not be there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this player had absolutely no ties to St Mourne other than being in our youth academy, since you'd be like, nah, bugger that. Yeah, just it's daft because did they not think that... Um one member of his family would come out and tell the full story or mm-hmm. the actual truth or what they're playing at. I mean, they know that it's going to piss him off, piss his family off, and then they're going to respond. And then there's going to be a total disconnect between them yeah. and the club. It's just, it's crazy. I don't it's know. It's just regardless of... Sorry. I, just no. regardless of how you feel at the club, like you've accepted a bid for an amount that you say you're happy with, just wish him well and move on and don't mm-hmm. don't try and drag his name through the mud. It's just, it's amateur. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've seen the the Youth Academy Twitter handle tweeted a, a, a kind of celebration or a dedication tweet to Kyle when he was leaving and I think that's the way to yeah. do it. Even even like it was a black and white army who put out a, like a montage video of his highlights. The club could easily have done something like that as well. And a, thanks for everything. Mm-hmm. Like like last season when we stayed up, even um, the or the Oren Kearney season where we stayed up, how important he was in that squad with a late last minute goal here and there, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of showed you that's probably the reason why he was selected to be captain as well. And it is an absolute shame. And you don't know how this can rectify going down the line as well. Because if he goes on to a bit of another club and we try to get a player on loan, like if you look at when we got Akin Famo on loan from Norwich, um, he came to St Murn because of the words of Kenny McLean. And yeah, it's it's like, mm. like as 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 he going to recommend a young player to go to this when he's just been treated like that from that club? It's, it is extremely disappointing. And, um, seems to be a bit of almost a shit show going on at, at the club at the moment so many wicked whispers going round as well and like we don't really know what's happening <laughs> yeah no you're right I agree I think with the communication's gone sorry Craig go on sorry. Go, mate. <laughs> um, just going to say I think the communication for quite a while coming out of the club it was really good um, I think a lot of that maybe had to do with the likes of James Hunter coming in but since since the kibble came into the club um I think that aspect has just gone downhill completely and the chairman's gone off a silent. Nobody seems to really know what's going on or what he's thinking or what's happening. It's it's, it's all a bit weird to me. But it's just all very hush-hush and I think Smizer as well, maybe need to stand up a wee bit here and you know start answering to the folk that are paying money into the club week in, uh, month in, month out. Like I understand that like, um, 
with a club our size and that like we're not going to know the fine details of everything like the undisclosed fee like that's just business that happens all the time in football and um, mm, what an yeah. undisclosed fee like i'm not bored about the communication with that but there are certain um things that people like someone saying i've heard this on twitter and then it's just spread like wildfire and there's not a comment coming out going yeah that's untrue that there's no base to that whatever no idea where the whole plastic pitch rumors came out and a lot of people rightly were like no St Martin should not have a plastic pitch but what we should be asking is that is clearly a, 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 it's a cost cutting measure on two facts that one that you don't need to pay really a, a groundsman as much with the whole like you don't need to repair surfaces and stuff as much but the bigger question is when you look at Ralston like the reason why a lot of these clubs have plastic pitches is because they train on them and they don't have a training facility such as we do and that is something that we've always put towards and advertised towards players coming and sign for us look we have our own training facilities at a separate location uh, facilities that clubs our sizes don't normally have and if we're if there is any truth in the rumor about us looking at a plastic pitch it would be to look to be getting rid of Ralston, which i don't think any summer supporter would absolutely want at all no, I agree with you. Um, I think the plastic pitch thing is, is crazy. I genuinely don't think I would go back and watch St Mourne if we're playing on that. Mm-hmm. That's something I would play seven aside with my mates after work on a surface like that, not Premiership, Premier League football, you know, top-level football. I think it's really worrying that that suggestion's came out. It came from a tweet from a guy that I don't think would tweet anything that mm-hmm. he didn't genuinely believe. You know, we're quite a reactive fan base anyway, I think. We get a wee sniff or something and we tweet or we moan about it or we post or, or whatever. And like that, uh, the, the fullback being injured and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a storm after we signed them and then it turned out that he wasn't injured. I think we're a really reactive fan base. But, but even the communication with that, that as well, like that could have easily been a tweet from the manager or a comment from the manager saying that he's not injured he's, he's yeah. got a week till fitness but that was left a, like a day and a half before he'd done an interview with um, mm. um, not the old firm before it came out that he was actually not injured there was no club communication yeah. on that level but then do they need to communicate that well true it's, it's... or do they, should we just trust that we've signed a guy that isn't crocked for eight weeks true. do we need to know every single thing mm-hmm. you know what I mean but uh, We've got a number of fans that are kind of connected to the club and I think the the big man that, that tweeted it, I didn't really want to name him in case <laughs> he gets grief again, but I, I don't think he would ever tweet anything that he thought was genuinely untrue, you know, so it came from a reasonable source, so or so he says, so maybe that is in the, the discussion to get a plastic pitch, but if you look at Ralston, I mean, I've, I've said to you guys before, I think Ralston's a myth, to be honest. I don't think our youth academy <laughs> is as good as it's made out to be, but that's another discussion way down the line. But just look at the location that's in. If we own that area or own that land, I mean, that's prime real estate. That's good money mm-hmm. in the heart of Ralston. That's a sought-after postcode. If you sell that, you can get a bad dosh for it. So I don't know if they're looking at that further down the line and then just having everything in-house at, at the ground, which includes a a plastic pitch which I'd be pretty angry about but I can see why clubs do it mm-hmm. yeah um, so I don't know how we move on to that but we'll move on to the, um, move on to the matches and what seems to be god a million miles ago uh, Aberdeen uh, 2 St Mirren 1 um, uh, it was a lot more positive performance but we still that's another defeat that we have Um the the subs was a bit 
Strange only naming four substitutes, including like one, so three outfield players. Uh, and you could see that's probably why we lost the match because Aberdeen made their substitutions and we did not. Um, it is strange that we've not put any youth players in there. I think that shows a complete distrust between them, maybe. I don't know. Um, it was a strange decision, but overall, we know how to. We, it's shown that we can make, get a performance when we need to. And, um, and then I think in the other opposition, we win that match. It's. I think with the the subs thing, it was it was due to the the youth boys not being in the same testing. Oh yeah, as, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. So yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> similar to the the Kilmarnock thing when they get the game cancelled, <laughs> a lot of folk were saying just play the youth team, but they yeah. couldn't do that. But uh, no, I thought performance was okay. I mean, we still ended the match with one shot and goal, which was Ethan's goal. Mm-hmm. So. It wasn't the best performance, I wouldn't have thought. I thought we looked okay um, in the midfield. I thought Gammy and Ethan and Sharon, who seems to be getting a lot of grief recently, uh, played well. thought we won the midfield battle. We kept McCrory especially mm-hmm. quiet, Ferguson quiet, albeit he scored. But um, we're still pretty toothless up front. Don't create anything. Uh, the off chances that we, or the half chances that we did create we dilly-dally on them, we don't shoot quick enough. and I think we're okay, we look as if we were turning the corner, but still not good enough for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, have to, um, I have to agree with that. Um, for all the praise that we got for being better than we have been in recent weeks, it's not really saying much when you're better than what was absolutely shite. Um, and uh, I came into the game worried more than that we just didn't look as if we could have scored up front. I know Ethan did score his absolute... World day, but apart from that, yeah, we had we had nothing going forward, and we didn't really trouble Aberdeen that much. Um, I didn't take as many positives as what the rest of someone on Twitter seems to have taken to that game. It, it's still a defeat at the end of the day, and it's still what six are on the league. So I, I'm think, just in a bad mood tonight, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> to be fair, it is like it is with the games that have happened afterwards. It is hard to be positive, especially when we're talking about like three games ago, essentially. Um, I, I, I thought that we were approaching a different tactic where we maybe like our attacking uh, players were maybe taking a bit more risks. I noticed like Erehon's shot that he took that quite a lot of like shots from midfield, long t- long range shots were coming in that we were, probably weren't doing uh, previous. And I thought maybe this was a way that we were moving forward and taking more chances, but then that seemed to have disappeared in the next two matches anyway. So it's not really as much of a change. Um, so uh, it's very difficult. I think... Um, yeah, it's, like I said, it's, it's that long ago. It's hard to remember what my positives were, but um, I remember being a bit more positive going into it. But then these uh, Betfred Cup matches came along, and yeah, it kind of changed everything a bit. Yeah, I mean, I thought we middle to def- or def- uh, back to front or back to midfield. I mean, mm-hmm. defence and midfield. Uh, okay, performed reasonably well. Not the best. But we're just toothless in the last third. We're just really poor. The, t- the two goals Aberdeen scored were prime examples of something that we don't do. Mm-hmm. Watkins just got a chance, shot, hit the target, goal. Ferguson had a snapshot, hit the target, and it was a goal. We seem to take an extra touch. Yeah. And try and turn back inside when the shot's on, or the ball stuck in our feet, striker's feet. I don't know if that's a confidence thing or just an ability thing, but we just don't hit the target with the we ball, just- and that's... You don't never go for the simple, do we? No, nah, you don't. You don't score goals unless you hit the target. It's simple as that, and 
we just seem to have been unable to do that or create any chance that allows a striker a clean chance and goal. It is almost unfortunate that the only striker or the only attacking player we have that looks like he wants to take a shot first time rather than an extra touch happens just to be Junior Marais. Um, <laughs> uh, which is a shame. Um, uh, if we move on to the Betfred Cup games, one of the things I'll say is Junior Marais probably had much better performance than we have seen him. I know that's not saying a lot. I, I, I made a note during the um, Partick Thistle match that the reason why I think I have sympathy, sympathy for Marais is he reminds me of a bit like myself, but the reason why I'm not a professional footballer is clear because I get lost on the pitch quite a lot. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. When more than one person shouts at me, I get confused, which clearly he happens to him because there was a point where I can't remember what he had the ball or he, he was going towards the ball. Goodwin shouted something and another player shouted something and he completely crapped it. Like it's almost like he's two in his head and overthinking things, and that's why I was never ever be a professional footballer. But somehow he's managed to to get through it. But um, it is a shame because he he does seem like one of the only players that's trying his absolute hardest and try to give a hundred percent. It's just unfortunately his ability is not there. Yeah, I think you've been a bit harsh on yourself there because you uh, you don't trip up over your feet that much, so you probably still got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get that in there. Uh, I think, I mean, the point you made there could be a reason for some guys' poor form. I mean, are we giving the players too many instructions? Mm-hmm. Are we not letting them just go out there and play? Are there too many tactical decisions made on, on the fly that the players get confused where they're meant to be? I don't know. I mean, we can't fault the guy's effort. Mm. I know I don't like him and I've moaned about him mm. enough, but he does seem to give 100%, which... As a bare minimum is what you want. I mean, if Kyle McAllister gave a hundred percent, we'd have a pretty decent winger in our hands. So, fair play to Junior for that. But he just doesn't have it. He's just not a good winger. He's not a good striker. He's just, to me, he's not a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thistle game in general was just uh, shocking. I thought we were, we were terrible. All the conversation about winning the midfield battle against Aberdeen, we surrendered that against Thistle. Mm-hmm. Thought Bannigan and uh, Ross Docherty especially just ran the show. I think Ross Docherty they have a really good, really good game. He he was excellent for Thistle. Um, shite haircut. Shite haircut. It's shocking. You should get sent off for that actually. But <laughs> I th- I just League One Partick Thistle the first competitive game and they looked as if they're a a, pl- a Premiership side that moved the ball forward and passing movements and, and attacking phases with ease. And this is their first competitive. That's something game. to me that. That see if you were to say to a neutral before that game that one of these teams is ten competitive games into their season and for the other one it's their first competitive game you would think it it was Partick that you know were a quarter of the way through their season that was we didn't we didn't do anything we didn't get started until they ran out of steam mm-hmm. made a couple of really bad mistakes and you know shipped two goals and that was game over pretty much and that's for me that's just no good enough. Yeah, they could. Yeah. Uh, they could. Uh, the way they started and how easily they found it three or four times to get through our defence. They found a gap and they exploited that. Um, and it, we were just so slow to react. And like, if they had a couple of games under their belts and a bit more match practice, those chances would have been finished. It wouldn't have, or we wouldn't have had to deal like with a, a, that last ditch cha- um, tackle from uh, Fraser or Tate. I can't remember who it was um, in the box and a clearance off the line as well. Like they, 
they could have easily been 2-3-0 up within the first 10 minutes. It, it was quite ridiculous how badly we started. Yeah, I, I thought they were excellent, to be honest. Um, as you said, if they, if they were up to match speed or just that wee bit sharper, they would have, have scored a couple of goals in that first half. I think it was Tate that made that challenge, who mm-hmm. I thought was our best player on the night. So it shows you that we win 4-1 and our, our left-back's our best player. It's mm-hmm. pretty shocking standard, but um, I was really impressed with Brian Graham up front and the boy Murray in beside him. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Graham seems to do something that our uh, target man striker or a beaker or Erwin, for example, can't seem to do. You know, He holds it up well, lays it off, moves towards goal, gets shots off and goal, brings others into play. And this is a League One striker doing that to a Premiership defence. The other part of the, uh, the other top of the pitch where we've had our strikers, your guys can't do that against a League One defence mm-hmm. who, when they tired, looked really, really ropey and we couldn't get beyond mm-hmm. them. Well, part- strikers look as if they don't know where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Part of those yeah. players were a lot, um, I would say they were a lot, they were talking a lot more than our players, especially uh, Brian Graham. Compared to our strikers, the only two players I could really hear from um, uh, giving out commands and stuff on the pitch were Tate, and uh, Sharon, they were the only two players you could hear um, from St Martin actually shouting or anything. Um, like nearly the whole Partick Thistle team, I could like I heard loads of shouts from all of them, kind of all talking to each other. And I don't know if that's just a disconnect that our players currently have, um, or maybe we've we've got a, a quite a quiet team. I don't I don't understand how. Like, I was quite shocked at how loud the Partick Thistle players were in comparison. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why there isn't communication in our team that would explain a lot. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I want uh, all eleven players in my team to be communicating constantly. You know, letting each other know what they expect from each other. And our team, our team seems pretty quiet. Just guys that go about their game with their mouth shut, and that showed against Thistle. I mean, Thistle were, were all over us. I mean, seems a bit defeatist morning about this after a four-one victory. But if the result doesn't show the context of the game. Mm-hmm. All the context of our performance, it was really poor and re- really worrying, and I just don't know how we're going to change our fortunes because I, I'm not really that bothered about the league cup, right? And um, so it sounds really daft morning about these games where I don't really care about the league cup. But the only reason is, see if we were experimenting with, say, Jameson up front or a mm-hmm. goals, or if we're changing it up, then I would maybe allow performances like this to be pretty poor. But that's a first Premiership. That's a first team Premiership mm-hmm. eleven playing against us. So there's no excuses for that at all. And it does and absolutely, n- absolutely nothing for confidence levels either. No, mm-hmm. no, not at all. And I, I, you mentioned just uh, Jameson there um, when he came on towards the end. Um, very quick player, and, and it seems like someone who they've actually, especially like um, Aberdeen or anything. When when you're let, your players don't have much legs anymore and you've got this young guy on the bench who's just absolutely full of energy why have we not used him more why are we not bringing him on more we, we're allowed five substitutions let's start using him yeah I mean he's he, he's quite slight and um, he'll get muscled off the ball pretty easily but he seems eager you know he comes on he's eager to impress he is quick you put pressure on uh, certain defences or even just to uh, close them down further up the park and when I throw in, we need to use that to our advantage. Mm-hmm. If the guy's involved in the first team squad, then he's 
rated as a first team player by Goodwin, so why do we not use him? Yep. And um, move on to the Queen and South game. Fortunately enough, I was working, so I did not see the game. So I'm going to move it on to you two guys who who had the chance to watch it. <laughs> It's just Maybe a play. quick one because uh, see everything we just said about the part at Thistle game, mm-hmm. just that again, pretty much. Um, it was yet another game where we started off really, really poorly, and we found ourselves two goals down, two preventable goals down, very quickly. Um, and it's it worries me how often that's happened this season that we've started really slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen of the South, another team that have. No played well. They, they played what one competitive fixture until Saturday, and you couldn't tell, you know, what team was fit and what team wasn't. Um, I thought in particular Fitzpatrick and Shields gave us all sorts of trouble up front, and just again did what our forward players can't seem to do. And again, we're getting bailed out by defenders. With you know Fraser coming in their last minute goal to squeak a draw away to Queen of the South. It's just it's not good enough. Yeah. You can't disagree with that. Craig yeah, covered every point really. I mean, it was the same as the Thistle game. Just the Queen of the South took their early chances and scored them. Um, obviously shows strength of character a wee bit to come back and draw to each, but it's just not good enough. Um, Boy Fitzpatrick tore us apart. He looks like a really, really good player for that level. I wouldn't mind taking him at some point. Actually, he looks a wee bit like Connolly, who I don't know why he didn't start. Don't know if it's to do with the pitch or fitness again or whatever, but that boy Connolly should be starting every week for us, no matter what the game is. Um, the tour is apart. I mean, I know I was praising Fraser, eh, sorry Tate earlier, but he had a nightmare for the first goal. So he was really poor, and then their second goal was uh, just a good phase of play, good movement, and they get in behind, and it was a good finish. Really, really simple for a team that shouldn't be cutting his open that easy mm-hmm. you know it's again really poor we didn't start quick enough at the top of the pitch we didn't create anything of note really Kyle hit the post with a free kick nothing really other than that to, to write home about it a really really poor performance again yeah it is quite telling that all our goals appear to be coming from our defence um, mm-hmm. uh, I it's going to be like looking towards the the, the Motherwell game. I think um, we're going to have to go with a back four because like a back three does not work with wing backs no. in our squad. Uh, as you said, there, um, Connolly needs to start. Like he, he's quick and like he's actually a bit skillful as well. Um, but like if you are fast in this league, you can go far and you can like Scottish defenders tend not to be the quickest. So like um, he he should be able to outrace and outmuscle the Motherwell defence, which is very shaky at the moment. And albeit mm. like yeah, they they beat uh, I can't remember the result of the last match, but they did beat Aberdeen what three 0 as well before that. Um, we should be able to see that that their defence is there for the taking. And if you have if you have basically Connolly running at them, you get Dermis hopefully like playing maybe a bit back some, some more of his strengths he can do a lot of good work in this in a game like that and I, I'd say start Marias up front with Obika yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you see Conley take his goal really well against Thistle, mm-hmm. and he was just he pounced on a mistake. You know, he's always on his toes. He was ready to kind of pounce on the defender to, once he's made the mistake, and he's taken it well. Uh, we don't really seem to have anybody other than him in the squad that is sharp enough for that, to do that. I think he should start. Um, I think Dermis played really well. Or not really well, but he played okay against Queen of the South on Saturday, but he's up against Willie Gibson, who's about... <laughs> 47 or something like that I don't know I think so it's I mean it's all relative but Dermis and Conley should be the two starting wingers for me Mariah shouldn't start up front because he's not good enough I mean at the moment I'd say I'd have him there as a placeholder until Christian Dennis gets fit again yeah but I was going to say that none of our strikers are good enough hmm. so I mean you've got a you've got to try what you can try and to be fair of all my kind of Annoyance of uh, Marais, he does give you 100%, he's just not quite got it. Um, but, I mean, Abika, I don't know what's happened to the big man, he's just a shadow. Of his, I know he scored against Thistle, but I thought he was really poor against Thistle. Poor again on Saturday, I just I don't know what's happened to the big man. Yeah, he's not holding the ball up as well as he was the previous season. And, um, no. like, we were giving him a lot of credit for... Um, having a really tough job last season because we were kicking aimless balls up at him and he was expected to do a lot more. Yes, there is a lot of long balls and stuff, but he's getting a lot of balls in his feet as well and he's just not controlling it. He's he's letting it, the ball bounce a yard away from him and he is not quick enough to get to it. Mm-hmm. So this is a point I would make, though, is that Obika's always had a relatively poor first touch mm-hmm. for a, a first-choice striker. I don't think it's ever been good. Um, but no, I'd agree he's, he looks half the player that he did towards the end of last season when he was coming on to a game um, and especially at the start of this season where I think he scored maybe the first or the second game in and you thought, right, okay he's maybe picked up where he left off at the end of last season but it's just no materialised at all and I was, uh, I was pretty shocked actually when he scored against uh, Partick and the commentator said that was his second goal of the season I've only scored two goals and 10-11 games, that's it's a pathetic return to be honest. Yeah. It's a uh, relegation. Yeah, and I think that, um, it's pretty embarrassing to have a number nine that can't do what Brian Graham does for League One Partick this one. <laughs> you know, he should be head and shoulders better than him. So, on current form or on current showing, I would rather Brian Graham as a number nine, which is something that you should never, that's a sentence that should never be uttered. But I, I just Obika needs to do more. He looks lazy. He looks as if he can't be asked holding the ball up sometimes. Um, and it's I, don't like, know all, I think I think we all want him to perform as we would all our players. But you want him to especially perform well yeah. because we defended him so much last season compared to yeah. the people that absolutely despised Obika for absolutely no reason. And now it almost seems like they're getting proved right and we aren't. And it's like, mm-hmm. come on, Obika. We've put our, ne- our necks out there for you. You need to start repaying us. Uh, I, I think people will always moan at Abika for not controlling some, have a high ball, mm-hmm. 100 mile an hour that's fired at his throat. I mean, nobody will control that. People just don't like Abika. But there's ones that come into his feet that he should hold off the defender, lay it off and, and get a move started. And he just seems he seems to be surprised that the, he finds the ball at his feet. <laughs> and he also seems to be surprised that the striker, uh, that the defender is coming through the back of him. Yeah. I mean, you need to expect that. And he's not a, he's not a Marias or he's not a, um, a Jameson. He's a big, stocky, strong striker. I mean, he should 
have the physique to hold these guys off. Mm-hmm. And they just seem to get beyond them too easy. They take the ball off them with ease. It's just really frustrating. That's one of the reasons why the ball ends up back down our throat more often than not. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is absolutely correct. Uh, we'll, we'll try Thank and you. Che- yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and cheer everyone up. Uh, we, we, we debuted that game last week. I still don't have a name for it. Name suggestions, welcome, please. Just the game. Um, Craig, you did win last week. Uh, how did you feel with your first victory over Ross? I'm pretty sure that was your first victory over Ross. It's a fluke. A fluke. <laughs> well, we'll see. I have made it a, a bit more fairer because at best of three, it can be quite tight, just especially with the way he's going. So we're going to do a best of five. But Craig, you do get to go first. If you're, um, you get the first bid on this one. So. Fuck. Yeah, wait till you hear who it is as well. First player who has played for 12 clubs is Billy Mehmet. Oh my God. And I, and I am going to say West Ham doesn't count because that was a youth career, so we cannot choose West Ham. So how many clubs do you think you could name that Billy Mehmet has played for? Two. Two, two. <laughs> Ross, can you name three, <laughs> or would you like Craig to try and name two? Um, <laughs> uh, I can only maybe name two and take a wild stab at some Turkish team. Oofed. But I'm going to go for a confident two, which will be Craig's two as well. But so, so Craig gets the name. Craig, Craig gets the name them right. Okay, on you go, Craig. What's the two? Perth <laughs> uh, Glory and Saints. That is correct. I generally like surprised <laughs> that Perth Glory was the. Was, did he play for Dunfermline? No, he did. He played for Dunfermline before. That's why I, I thought ah. you were. I thought you were on the Dunfermline. I thought you were maybe missing Perth. So played for Dunfermline, Saint Marin. Again, I really do apologise for these pronunciations. Genkler Biglerly. <laughs> Samson Spore, Perth Glory, Bangkok Glass, Dempo, Kedah FC, Sarawak FC, Tampines Rovers, DPMM, and he's currently at Merrick Alsinak Yesilova in Northern Cyprus. <laughs> Who are not he's UEFA recognised, but I put them in there. <laughs> he's another guy that, uh, along with Conselves, is always tweeted, bring him home. I like how I tweeted that, bring it home, and a lot of people thought I was being legit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, like Billy Mehmet, I mean, the standard of teams he's played for recently, I mean, folk are still, he's the answer to their goal-scoring problem. I, I like how... He wasn't even the answer to their goal-scoring problems when he played for some <laughs> It was like two two or three seasons ago we were linked with him and people were saying that we were about to sign him and some, I think someone on Twitter went, I fucking hope not, he's currently fit in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> So, he seems like the type of guy that's actually just what he does is he's he's on a permanent gap year, but he just likes a kick about and getting paid for it as yeah. well. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's yeah, travelled the world. Um, so Craig, you are one 0 up. Uh, so Ross, slightly less of a journeyman on this one. So hopefully, this will test your footballing knowledge. Six clubs. Mark Riley. Mark Riley. Mm-hmm. How many clubs do you think you can name of Mark Riley? Uh, 
three. Craig, can you name four? No. I doubt it. Oh. Right, okay, Ross, name your three. I'm going to go Kilmarnock. Correct. St. Mirren. Mm-hmm. Motherwell. Correct. Makes it one each. He Motherwell, Kilmarnock, Reading, Airdrie, St. Johnson and St. Mirren, where he finished his career to go and manage some subway shops in uh, Ayrshire. I don't know if that's true. I remember someone telling me that at the time. I, you, <laughs> I always wondered what his, um, the history behind his nickname Mavis was. Was it not to do with Coronation Street or something? Because it was Mavis Riley. Was. Mavis I Riley. always remember him getting called Mavis all the time. I never knew why. Mm-hmm. I think it was that. I think it was a, something that was too young. Um, we were too young for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right, Craig, back to you for your opening bid. Five clubs. Gary Mason. Two. Two. <laughs> Ross, can you name three? Ooh. I think so. I think so, three. So you're going for three? Yeah. Craig, can you name four? Or is Ross going with the three? Uh, I think Ross is going to take this one Right I'm going to go St Mirren well, That's always correct <laughs> Dunfermline Correct Sasso Wrong oh. So Craig gets a point for that one uh, Man City Hartlepool Dunfermline St Mirren And Hamilton Hamilton So Craig is 2-1 up and uh, Ross, you get to go first on this one, is that correct? That is the right order, wouldn't you? Uh, seven clubs. Another player that people will still probably tell him to come home, even though I think he retired in 2016. Uh, why is it, which one of you have an ice cream van near you? That is, what's Me, that I'm going to mute for a second. <laughs> Who has an ice cream van in this temperature in October? Um, it's going to get a double nugget. <laughs> uh, seven clubs, uh, Will Haining. Oh, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> just two. Just two for Will Haining. Just two. Craig, can you do more than two for Will Haining? Remembering yourself still on mute. <laughs> I was just trying to find that. It's finally stopped. Uh, Will Haining. Um, three. You can name three. Ross, can you name four? I'll take a stab at four. Oh, he's taking a stab. I need you one anyway, don't I? So. Yeah. Craig. Um, should I go? No, no. Um, can you name five? Mm, no, I don't think so. Right, so Ross is going for four for Will Haining. Saints. Mm-hmm. Oldham. Correct. Many did I say four? Four. That's two. Morecambe. Correct. And Hartlepool. Unfortunately, that is wrong. <sighs> Craig wins I it. I could probably name one because it's like a fake sounding, it's like a Tez sounding club, in it? I, I, I don't know. Hashtag United. Uh, <laughs> it's like uh, Aston United or something. Close, close. So uh, after Morecambe, he went to Fleetwood Town, Hyde, Macclesfield Town, and finished his career not at Aston United, but 
Ashton United. Oh, come on. That's what I said. <laughs> very, very close. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. But Craig, you are the winner. Um, that leaves, there was one player I've got left that uh, we won't do for fun. We'll keep him for another day. So, well done. Craig, tw- two in a row. Should have just done the last one anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the victory. I'll take it. Take it. <laughs> well done, mate. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, remember, there is currently a competition going on on our Twitter. Um, like and retweet the post to find, um, no, to win even, sorry, not find, a <laughs> Misery Hunters t-shirt. Um, that is up for grabs. I think we've got two up for grabs. Um, thank you for following us on Twitter. We've we had a thousand followers and we're super appreciative of that. Um, so thank you. And yeah, if you want to buy any merch, uh, link is in the description of the podcast. And as always, fuck Alex Ray. Fuck Alex Ray. Alex Ray. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.